morning. Let's welcome you to the Reformed Baptist Church of Longway as we worship God together today. Uh, just a couple of things in by way of announcements. After the first service today, we're going to have lunch together, and then uh, the second service for the afternoon will begin at 1.45 p.m. And then the other thing that I wanted to touch on from these announcements, and then they're there on your bulletin for you uh, to read yourself, is the baby bottles for the baby bottle uh, care pregnancy center fundraiser are due next Sunday, June 18th. So uh, if you still want to do that, just uh, grab the bottles and uh, fill them and bring them back by uh, next Sunday, June 18th, because that's when the deadline is for it. Well, as we uh, prepare to worship our God in spirit and truth together today, I'd like to read for you Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way that you should go. Let us prepare our hearts this morning as he leads us into his presence today. Today's call to worship is going to be from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 13, and you can find it. <clears throat> you can find it on the second page of your bulletin that you grabbed when you came in the door this morning. And uh, if you got your bulletins out, would you stand with me as we read the Word of God as a congregation? Uh, your responses will be in bold, and uh, my my parts will be in the regular type. So 1 Chronicles 29, verses 1 through 13. Let us, uh, worship. Let's, let us read the word of God together. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. And in your hand is power and might, 
and it lies in your hand to make great, to strengthen everyone. As far as the reading of God's word, if you'd have remained standing with me and turn in your hymns of grace to number 44. And this one is one that Pastor Calvin sent out in an email uh, this week. Hopefully you learned it so we can uh, worship the Lord together. Hopefully we're at least familiar with the tune. But uh, if we could play through the tune one time and so we can get it in our minds and then we'll start the first verse together.
Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Our Father God in heaven, we do thank you for this, your day. We thank you, Father, that we can come freely before the God who saves. We pray, Father, that as we gather together today, that your name would indeed be honored and glorified, that uh, our purpose in meeting would be to glorify your name. We ask, Father, that as we're together, that uh, you would show us our sin and help us, Father, to flee to you for forgiveness. Pray, Father, that we might be encouraged and strengthened to live a holy life before you. We ask that uh, through all that we do, that we would uplift your name today. Pray that you would be with those who cannot be with us and ask that you would draw near to them. Pray, Father, that you might be in every place where your word is faithfully open today, uh, that lost sinners may hear of the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness and the hope that is found in Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'd uh, turn with me in your Trinity hymnal as we continue to worship our God together. Your Trinity hymnal number 731. That's a popular one. It's one that's been popular for a long time by uh, Charles Wesley. And can it be? Number 731.
Our scripture reading for this morning, we will be in Luke uh, 23, one slight adjustment to what your bulletin says. Uh, we'll be stopping after verse 31, not after verse 32. Uh, verse 32, at least in the New King James, begins a new paragraph, so we'll start looking at verse 31. As we uh, see Christ on trial before Pilate and then before Herod, uh, in the song that we just sung in verse uh, 3, it mentioned, Humble himself because of love. We certainly see that take place during the trial of Christ. Uh, humanly speaking, uh, I think we would all find it very difficult to hold our tongue as Christ did and not to lash out at those who were telling him to use his power. Uh, but Christ remained humble for love's sake, so that he could offer himself. And truly we see it's him offering himself. No one took his life from him. He laid it down for us. At any point, Christ could have ended this whole trade uh, that was going on. All right, Luke 23. Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself, Christ, is Christ, a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priest and to the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some mural done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. And they all cried at once, saying, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison 
for a certain rebellious rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pirate, Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Then he said to them a third time, Why? What evil has he done? I find no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of the men and the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the greenwood, what will be done in the dry? Well, as we continue in the worship of our God, we want to remember, especially this morning, the members of uh, the members and leaders of Maidenbower Baptist Church in Crawley, England. Um, and remember the the gospel ministry of those who are serving in hard places. You know, we consider our nation to be a nation that is increasingly rebellious toward the Lord, but we need to remember that, you know, some places where the gospel was once triumphing are now even decades accelerated past where our nation is in the rebellion against God. So we certainly want to remember uh, Pastor Jeremy Walker and those who are uh, serving and seeking to uh, fulfill the Great Commission in that place in uh, at Maidenbower Baptist Church in Crawley, England. Would you uh, come before the Lord in prayer with me? Lord Jesus, we are pierced to the heart when we think about your suffering. You are the one who is our crucified and yet risen and triumphant Lord. And you are the risen and triumphant Lord of every nation and every tribe and every tongue and every people. So we as your people in this place come before you this morning to offer our praises to the triune God through you. And it delights and humbles our hearts to know that our praises are acceptable to the uh, to the God of the whole universe, the God who is infinite in majesty and in holiness because they are offered through the suffering that that we just read about, your suffering. They are offered through the lens of the propitiation that you offered for us where now God does not have 
any wrath for us, but instead accepts us in you. Lord, we thank you that we are gathered together as a new people, and what a mysterious and awesome reality it is that we're as we gather together, as the Spirit indwells us and lifts us into the heavenly places where we come before your throne, the song of the church militant here and now joins the eternal song of the church triumphant as we come into your presence. We recognize that we're not the only ones doing this today, but you have a body all across this world and all across all time periods that you have purchased with your blood and you have redeemed. So we pray for those people too, especially our brothers and sisters at Maidenbower Baptist Church in England today. We lift them up to you. We pray that their worship of you and their evangelism and their ministry, their gospel preaching would be acceptable in your sight through the Lord Jesus Christ as we pray that for ourselves as well. I pray that your spirit would fill our worship today and we would come before you in reverence and holy awe, but at the same time, great freedom to love you and to delight in you and to worship you in Christ, who is our prize forever. We ask these things in the mighty and powerful name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And then lastly, will you stand with me once again as we sing Trinity number 505?
Thank you, Micah, for leading us in worship this morning. It is appreciated. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. It's summertime, so there's entertainment outside as well as inside, so... Uh, At least we can have the windows open, I think. We'll see how loud it gets, and we'll go from there. I was going to say we're quickly drawing to the end of our study of this book, but then I thought, well, I better be careful, because I'm not sure how quickly we're drawing to the end of the book. We are coming to the end of the book, and when we come to Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses has finished that part of his message in which he is instructing, admonishing, exhorting the people, for he longed for them when they went into the promised land, that they would not be like their forefathers, but that they would love and obey and serve Yahweh all their days. But Moses' message here in chapter 31 sort of takes a change. It goes from that of instruction and admonition to a more personal note. He loved these people. And we would say in our day, he has a pastor's heart towards them. And he knows that things are going to be different. And therefore, he speaks to them about the differences that are about to take place. There are changes coming. And what he wants to assure them is that their God will never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Moses, in these first eight verses, sets before the people certain realities that they will face and encouraging promises that he prays they will take with them. So in the first three verses, we have these certain realities. Follow as I read. So Moses spoke, Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am a hundred and twenty years old today. I am no longer able to come and go. And the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross this Jordan. It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you. He will, and you shall dispose them. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. 
So, so here, Moses begins to speak to them as a pastor speaking to the sheep. And he lets them know that changes are coming. Change is always difficult, isn't it not? It's hard. We're used to certain things. I didn't plan it when I first thought about it, but we had some change this morning. We usually watch as I come out here and, and I lead the service. And you might have wondered, well, where's pastor going and, and what's going on and what's taking place? And it may have been, oh, I trust not too bad, a bit unsettling for a new guy to lead the service when the old guy has been there doing it for so long. Change is sometimes hard. It's always interesting when you do change something, you're pretty much guaranteed somebody's going to come to you and say something like this, that's not the way we've always done it. I remember the first time we sang a hymn that wasn't in the Trinity. And I got a phone call. What are you doing, Pastor? Where are you leading us? Are you becoming liberal? What's happening? Well, I have to say, calm down. The song we sang was very biblical. It's a wonderful song. And it's like I had to walk him off the cliff. Alright? Change isn't easy. But Moses says change is coming. And the first thing we notice that this change, we might, we might refer to this first thing as troubling change. Troubling chains. He, he looks at them and says to them, I am 120 years old. Now at 120, Moses was still a remarkable man. Over in chapter 34 and verse 7, we read these words, Although Moses was 120 years when he died, his eye was not dimmed, and his vigor was not abated. He was still a man who had some life in him. However, Moses now tells the people, I'm not going to go with you into the land. And I'm not going to go with you for a couple reasons. Notice what it says. He says, I am no longer... To come and go. That, that's a phrase that was used to speak about just the normal ways of life. You might remember back in chapter 38, when, when Moses was pronouncing the blessings and the curse, that, that he said something like this, you know, you will know, if you obey, you will know God's blessing when you come out and when you go in. In other words, if you obey God, just going through the normal routines of a day, you will know God's blessing. And then he said, if you don't obey, you will know God's curse when you go in and when you come out. 
So, so if you're going to be rebellious towards God, then you better figure that throughout the normal activities of a day, you're going to know God's curse. So what Moses, I believe, is saying here is this, something that many of us say nowadays, and that is, I can't do the things I used to do. I'm slowing down. Sometimes, I mean, I, I forget where we were, but my wife and I was someplace, and someone was talking to us. We did not know them. And, and as, as she was talking to us and then walked off, I just asked my wife, do you think she's older or younger than we are? And I don't remember my wife's answer, but I remember what I told her because I said to her, you know, I still feel like when I see an old person, I must be younger than they are. When in reality, I'm probably older, if not the same age. But I've come to the point I realize I can't do things like I once did. It's been interesting as, as we've sort of looked for a new building, and, and sometimes we'll, we'll come across a building that has potential. I mean, you have to look with these potential eyeglasses as, as to what the building could look like with a lot of work. And sometimes some of us who've been around for several years could say, yeah, just like Dimming's Lake building. Remember when we got the Dimming's Lake building? We were all down there pulling out drywall, breaking up concrete, taking it all out. And then reality sets in. We're not those young guys anymore. And what we did 38 years ago won't be possible today. And that's the reality of life. Life is frail. Remember the days when you got together with your buddies and you talked about all the wild adventures that you wanted to go on and all the wild things you do? And nowadays when I get together with my buddies, we see who's taking what medicine and when we stand up, there's almost a choir of groans. Oh. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that our bodies are tense. And there's this groaning that comes with age. And Moses realizes that. Moses is the one who writes Psalm 90 when he says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. But he says this, to man you turn him back to dust. He goes on to say there in Psalm 90, the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due through strength, 80 years. I find that interesting. Moses is now 120 years old. And yet he says, maybe. Maybe 70. Maybe 80. And for some of us, that's approaching very quickly. Another reason that Moses says, I'm not going to go with you, is because... Of his own sin. 
You might recall back in Numbers chapter 20 that the people were wanting water to drink. And God tells Moses to take his rod and hold it up and speak to the rock. And when you speak to the rock, water will come out. But, but Moses by this time is so frustrated with the people and they're complaining and murmuring. What does he do? Does he speak to the rock? No. He strikes the rock. And in light of that, a consequence of that behavior, of doing that which dishonors God, Moses is told, you will not go into the land. And throughout our study of Deuteronomy, we've been reminded of that fact. Back in chapter 1 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 and verse 32, Moses repeats that. I'm not going to go with you into the promised land because... I have dishonored our God. And someone might say, well, Moses, could you ask again? And Moses could say, I have asked again. And God said no. And so one of the consequences of that behavior is, I shall not cross over the Jordan with you. Now let me ask you something. Just at that point, when you hear that Moses struck the rock and, and therefore dishonored God and, and God brought water, but, but now he says, Moses, you can't go into, over the Jordan into the promised land. What are your first thoughts? Isn't that a bit hard? Really? But it's a reminder to us that even little sins, what we call little sins have consequences. Thomas Brooks says, there is no little sin because no, there is no little God to sin against. There's no little sins. And so, Moses tells them this troubling change. I will not cross over. Now, now think about it. The majority of people, the vast majority of the people that Moses is speaking to have only known Moses to be their leader. They have followed him out of Egypt. They have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years they were very much used to Moses. Moses had been the mediator between God and man. It, it, was, it was Moses who held up the rod and they crossed the Red Sea. It, it was Moses who received the tablet of the ten words written by the finger of God. It was Moses who had done all these things. And now Moses says, I'm not going to be around any longer. And so that's a troubling change. But with that troubling change, Moses does give them uh, an encouraging reassurance. An encouraging reassurance. Moses assures them that though he's not going to lead them into the promised land, they were not going to be 
leaderless. And he reminds them, first of all, about the one whom they ought to have leading them above any other. And it is this, it is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. What a great assurance. I'm not going with you, but the Lord your God will cross ahead of you. What greater hope could they have? You see, what made these people different than all the other people is that her God is with her. God was with her. That distinguished them from everyone else. God's presence, God's help, God's guidance would be there. There was a time back in Exodus chapter 33 when God told the people that He would allow them to enter the promised land, but His presence would not go with them. He says to them, you'll possess all the goods. You'll have houses that you didn't build. Wells that you didn't dig. Vineyards that you didn't you didn't plant. You go in and take possession of all these things. But my presence will not go with you. He says in Exodus 33 and verse 3, Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. <laughs> How's that? You go on over. I'm not going with you, but you're such a rebellious people. I may just destroy you. And to their credit, when the people heard this, they went into mourning. And it says, none of them put on his ornaments. And later we would read that Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. It is not by your going with us, is it not by your going with us, so that we and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? If you're not going to go with us, if you're not going to lead us, don't send us in. Because what makes us different is the presence of Almighty God. And so I wonder, what is it that we crave above everything else? As we gather together, what are you looking for? What do you want? What will make us distinct 
from every other so-called organization that meets throughout Lenawee County. The Kiwanis, the Lions Club, I don't know. The Bridge Club. What makes us different? What, what ought to set us apart? Is it not the, the wonderful presence of God? Is that what you crave as we gather together? That, that God would come and meet with us above everything else? What was your concern this morning as you pulled up? Well, I hope Pastor picked some good songs. I hope we have a decent crowd this morning. I hope I hope nobody's playing loud music so we don't have to shut the windows. What were your thoughts this morning as you came into this place? Was there a craving, a passion, Lord, meet with your people? And in that, make us distinct. And so Moses says, you're not going to go in leaderless. The Lord your God will go with you. And he also says, Joshua is one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. So, Joshua will become your, your human leader. Joshua, he's sort of, he's sort of been Moses' assistant. I think somebody referred to him as the vice president. And, and, and Moses is saying, I'm leaving you, but as I leave you, Moses, or Joshua, will now lead you. Look over to Numbers chapter 27, and we see that, that Moses really desired this for the people of God. God tells Moses, you're not going to go into the promised land, but He takes him up to a mountain, and He gives Moses an opportunity to see the land. And when Moses sees the land, and he thinks about those people going into the land, Moses said, chapter 27, Numbers, verse 15, Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation. So Moses prays, Lord, don't leave them without a leader who will go out and come in before them. will just be a part of them. And who will lead them out and bring them in so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like a sheep which have no shepherd. And so the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hands upon him. Moses said, Lord, don't let these people be like a sheep who has no shepherd. Give them a shepherd who will care for them and lead them and direct them. And so here we have these changes that were a reality in the lives of Israel. Moses was going to be stepping aside. They were not going to be leaderless because the Lord would lead them.
but God would also give them a shepherd in Joshua. So you can imagine as as the people hear these words, they might have been a bit rattled. What's it going to be like? We we really like Moses. Is Joshua going to be able to lead? I mean, is he going to be the same as Moses? What's going to happen? And so now, in verses 4 through 8, Moses sets before them these encouraging promises. Change is coming, but I want to encourage you. And so first of all, he he speaks to the people. Notice verse 4. And the Lord will do to them, that is your enemies, just as He did to Cylon and to Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when He destroyed them. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 22 and how God destroyed their enemies. And the Lord will deliver them up before you, and you shall do to them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. So, so God says to the people, listen, you're going to face real opposition. It's going to be strong opposition. Most of the children of Israel were not militarily trained. They did not go into the promised land with, with tanks and, and with arsenal and so forth and horsemen. They were going to go up against some real army people. They were going to go up against men with chariots and horses and weapons. So God says to them, do not be afraid or tremble. Now, if I say something to you and I look at you and say, but don't be afraid or tremble, what does that usually mean? I've got reason to be afraid and tremble. You know? I mean, if I said to you, listen, when you go outside the door, there will be three grasshoppers right at the door. I mean, three of them. But don't tremble or be afraid. You would think, what is he talking about? What's there to be afraid of? I could take care of a grasshopper. However, if I told you when you walk outside that door, right on the ramp, right outside the door, there is a grizzly bear who hasn't eaten for two weeks. But don't tremble and be afraid. You would look at me and say, oh, I'm afraid. Yeah, I got something... God says to them, you're going to go up against a mighty army. But don't tremble or be afraid. Well, well, why is that? Well, He tells them, for the Lord will be with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Your confidence as you go into this land and fight the opposition is that God will never forsake you. He will be with you. He will be with you. 
And as I thought about this, and I don't know if it's a good parallel or not, but I, but I was just thinking about, yesterday we went to her funeral. And the lady who died, we've known for many, many years, she, she's a year younger than I am. And, and, and it just reminded me, again, about the frailty or the uncertainty of life. In all likelihood, in the next week or two, I'll be at another funeral where the lady will be a year older than I am. And it just reminds me that, humanly speaking, walking through death's door isn't that far away. And that can be a frightful thing. And how does one walk from this life to the real promised land without fear, without being afraid? And I thought, you know how? Because my Lord will go with me. Death cannot separate me from my Lord. And when I stand before the Eternal Father, He will cover me so that the Father will see His Son's righteousness and invite me into His presence. My friend, without Christ, without the Lord, you ought to tremble and fear at the thought of walking through death's door. But knowing He'll never forsake me helps me with confidence in Him and in Him alone to, to walk through that door. So, so Moses says to the people, you will, be you will be victorious over your enemies. Just like you've been in the past. Just as the same way that God did it then, He will do it now. And though you're going into uncertain territory, you're going into unknown territory, you're going to have a, a strange inhabitants that you're, you're now going to be a part of, your life's going to radically change. You've sort of been nomads for 40 years, and, and now you're going to be a part of a civilization and all that. Know that God does not forsake His own as you do all that He's commanded you. So be strong and courageous and, and do not be afraid or tremble at them. Their success is in this fact. The Lord is the One who goes with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Or as Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8, if God is for us, who, who can be against us if God is for us? And, and so we see here these words given to the people. Go forth and go on. And then secondly, word is given to Joshua. Verse 7, Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, 
Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Can you imagine... Can you imagine being Joshua? And all of a sudden, you're the leader over a million people? Can you imagine that? And, and imagine what Joshua must have felt. How am I going to lead these people? Who am I? And therefore, God says to Joshua, it's interesting, He says here, as He calls him, be strong. The idea here is, don't grow weary. Now, now why, why would God have to say to Joshua, don't grow weary? Could it be, that Joshua has been with these people a long time. Joshua knew these people were fickled. One moment they're, they're bowing to Yahweh as God, and the next moment, what are they doing? They're building a golden calf. Joshua has watched Moses as, as he's had to deal with these people. He, he's been there when, when people began to murmur and complain against Moses. And Joshua may wonder, well, how long will this honeymoon last? You know, that's the old saying. Pastor comes into the church, how long is the honeymoon? Before people start complaining and murmuring. And Joshua's wondering... How long before the people start murmuring against me? He's watched these people as they've rebelled and disobeyed God. And therefore, you understand why, why the Lord says to Joshua, don't grow weary. It's almost as though God's saying, I know who you're going to be dealing with. I know who they are. I know what they're capable of doing. And I know there will be some that will disappoint you. There will be some that hurt you. There will be some that walk away. You're going to experience all these things. But Joshua, be strong. Don't grow weary. Well, how does a man not grow weary when he deals with those sort of people? How does a man not grow weary when he's even watched the frustration of Moses, one of the meekest men in all the world, become so frustrated with dealing with these people that he finally strikes the rock? And Joshua says, I'm not nearly as meek and humble as that man. How am I going to deal with them? Only one way to persevere and not grow weary. Look to the Lord. Trust Yahweh. 
be obedient to Him. One of my favorite passages. Those who wait upon the Lord will what? Gain new strength. God will give them what they need at the time they need it to go forward and to press on. He gives strength to the weary. And those who lack might, He increases strength. So He says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And again, as we just said, how is that possible? And He says, the Lord is the One who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Joshua, you're going to go through some real difficulties, no doubt. And there are going to, listen, go, as we're going through Judges, I mean, there's, as we're going through Judges, I'm, I'm thinking, as I'm going through Deuteronomy, I'm thinking to myself, these people don't listen. They don't listen. And they go their own way and they do their own thing. How difficult that must have been for Joshua. So you're going to go through hard circumstances. You're going to have trying difficulties that enter into your life. You're going to face things that you never thought you would face. We live in a state that now can supposedly press charges if we stand for the truth and what God has to say. If we proclaim that, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and that God made male and female, created He them, and that the Bible speaks of only two genders, male and female, and, and the Bible speaks of the reality that, that marriage is between a man and a woman, And even though we acknowledge we love these people and long to see them set under the Gospel and come to know God through Jesus Christ alone, we're in danger of facing real persecution. That's a reality now. And so what's our temptation What's the temptation? Let's just keep those things to ourselves. And we need to be told, be strong and courageous. For the Lord will be with you. And no matter what, comes our way because we're determined in love to hold to the truth. 
They can never, ever, ever separate us from God. Never. It can get hard. It can get really hard. But they can't separate us from God. And so I encourage you as the people of God, be strong and courageous. I did not say, I did not say, be annoying and hateful. But stand for the truth of God in the midst of living in a wicked and evil society and culture. For what, how do we same way Joshua did? It hasn't changed. And so whatever I go through, Christ will be there. Because he said, he said the same thing. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That's a great encouragement. Let's pray. Father, may You take Your Word and come and, and meet with us. How, how we would pray this morning for those who may be among us who, who don't even know God. That even today would be the day of salvation. That, that You would open their eyes to a Savior who loves them and cares for them. And that they would seek the Lord while He may be found and call upon Him while He is near. Father, we pray that as the people of God, we would know something of that courage and that strength that was, that was exhorted to, to Joshua to have. As we live in a society, in a world that stands opposed to, to much biblical truth, how, how we pray that we will stand, that we'll be courageous. And that we will be strengthened, that we won't grow weary or lose heart, but press on. And so we pray, our Father, that the Word of God would, would have an effect upon what we are and who we are and how we behave in this world. So may the Spirit, may Your Spirit come and minister to each one of us to Your glory and honor as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. In closing, take your hymns of grace. Hymns of grace, 387. 387, here's my confidence. Christ will hold me fast. When I fear my faith may fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, Christ will hold me fast. May we know of that reality. 380. Eight, I guess it is, but it's there at 87 as well. So he will hold me fast. 388. Let's stand together as we sing.